give an amazing welcome to Mr. Jesse Miller. He's one of our amazing interns. Come on now. Thank you. Thank you. What's up, guys? Man, I want to tell you something. When I was in youth group, I like to find a girl and then uh, sit beside that girl. And then when uh, the pastor said, let's all bow our heads and pray, I was praying that he said, join hands with your neighbor. Anybody else prayed that prayer? Okay, you don't raise your hand, but just subtly, all right, that was my prayer. I was like, please let me join hands with my neighbor because my neighbor is very nice looking and I would like to get to know her better. So that's my story of when I was in youth group. All right, so a little bit about me. My name's Jesse. Uh, I went to Bible school and uh, I left my home when I was 18 years old. And I went to Bible school, and I was, uh, you know, thought I was a big man on campus. So I got my own apartment, and then I started uh, trying to get friends. So I wanted to throw an awesome party at my house. So I went and bought a bunch of stuff and put it on a credit card. And then they wanted me to pay back the money on the credit card. And I did not know that you had to pay it back right away. So then I did not have the money to pay it back right away. And uh, I took a girl on a date, and we were at the restaurant, and I gave him my card, and they swiped it, and it said decline. All right? And that's not a good feeling when you're on a date with a girl for the credit card machine to say decline, and you don't have any cash, and you don't know anybody else, and the girl doesn't have any money. And so I had to leave my wallet with them, and it had my driver's license and everything in there. And so I had to come back a week later because that's the first, the next time I was going to get paid and pay them the money for a dumb date that I did, couldn't even afford. And so I kept getting myself in all these troubles, but I was at Bible school trying to learn about Jesus. So it was kind of crazy. And so here I am at Bible school and I'm wasting money. I want to know, has anybody else had ever done anything dumb here? Like wasted money on something dumb like, like candy, and they give it away for free here, I saw. That's, well, it's, it's, just, it's not always dumb. But you guys have done some dumb things too, right? I'm not the only one here. Well, sometimes we do things that are dumb, and we get ourselves in trouble, but we're going to take a look at a woman tonight that got in trouble with money, but it wasn't even her fault, all right? And, and she's a widow woman, so we're going to talk about that for a second. All right, so let me just give the guys in here an advice. Don't try to impress a girl with money that you don't have, okay? That's just dumb, all right? So we got that out of the way. Now, we're going to look at the life of Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. All right, so Elisha was the guy that came after Elijah. Who knows how Elijah left the earth? Does anybody know? Okay, the smart, in, is that an intern in the back? No. Oh, somebody. All right. You got it right. In a whirlwind, in the chariot. That's pretty awesome. Good job. Sorry, I wasn't getting on you. I thought an intern was trying to take the spotlight back there. All right, just teasing. No, so Elijah went up in a whirlwind in a chariot, and Elisha served him for 20 years. So Elisha was like his assistant for 20 years. But the last thing that Elisha said was, I want a double portion of the anointing that is resting on you. 
And so how many of you know that Elijah had 14 miracles in the Bible? 14 miracles recorded. Oh, good. So how many do you think Elisha has? 28. Very good. If I had candy, I would give it to you. So we, we have double the anointing on Elisha. It's really cool. But I want to share with you a story. All right? This is what happens with Elisha first. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. And this is some important advice for you guys. 2 Kings chapter, 20, chapter 2, verse 23. So the first thing Elisha does is he sprinkles some salt on some water, and it becomes fresh water. Now, that's important because they didn't have Aquafina back then. They didn't have Evian back then. All their water came from where? Not the sewer, but from wells or from lakes or from where else? Rivers that the deer pee in, right? And so <laughs> this is where they got their water. Their water came from these, these natural sources. They didn't have some water plant that bottled the water for them. So water had to be clean, otherwise it could be really bad for their community. So he sprinkled some water. Now, let's take a look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. If you want to go ahead and put it up on the screen. Or if we don't have it, let me just read it to you. It says, From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. And they said, Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. It's right there. And he turned around and he looked at them and he called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. <laughs> and then he went on to Mount Carmel and from there he returned to Samaria. So that's the second thing that Elisha did. Now, Pastor Josh, man, he has an amazing head of hair, doesn't he? Like, it's flowing locks. It's beautiful. But, you know, like, if he does this for a while, like, he might start to develop a bald spot or whatever. And if that ever happens, I want you guys to know, I would say, oh, Pastor Josh, your hair looks amazing tonight. <laughs> your hair is, is incredible. I mean, just, you don't want two bears coming out of the woods, right? <laughs> so so uh, I would just be kind to your leaders who don't have any hair. Now, that's not our story tonight, but... I want you to know about Elisha. Elisha did some crazy things. Can anybody tell me what Elisha did to an axe head that fell in the water? He made it float, all right? So Elisha did some crazy things. I mean, bears mauling. He, he made water flow. He made all kinds, I mean, all kinds of stuff happen in his ministry. But we're going to look at a widow woman tonight. But before we go there, I have a couple of dad jokes because I am a dad. Woo! Dad jokes! All right, all right, all right. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? It had great food, but no atmosphere. Why did the invisible man turn down the job offer? He couldn't see himself doing it. Why don't skeletons go trick-or-treating? Because they have no body to go with. Nice. I like that one. I'm saving the best for last. Okay, how do you make a Kleenex dance? Put a little boogie in it. All right. 
Why do trees seem suspicious on sunny days? Because they're a little shady. Very good. All right, so that's my, thank you very much. Uh, that's my rendition of dad jokes for the evening. <laughs> we want more. I don't have any more. All right, two peanuts were walking down the road and one was assaulted. That's it. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. If you already had your Bible open, just turn over another page or two. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1 is where we're going to start. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. And notice what it says. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now, why, why would this be in the Bible? First of all, does it say who the woman is, what her name is? It could have been Barbara. It could have been Debbie. Could have been Alyssa, right? We don't know what her name was. Probably wasn't any of those names, but it was a name. And so we have a lady with no name who comes to Elisha, and she says, my husband, who worked for you in the school of the prophets, is dead. And now a creditor is coming. Now, back in those days... When you owed money, all right, they could legally take your sons as payment for the debt until they worked down the debt enough, and then they could give the sons back to you. So it was not a good situation this lady was in. Second of all, she was a widow. What does that mean? Well, her husband was dead. And her husband was dead, but, the, but also the, the other important thing is widows didn't have a way to make good money back then. How do you think they made a living? They would have to walk behind people in the fields and pick up the leftover scraps. That's what widows did. So that's why they would try to find a husband, because <laughs> it was a lot better than being a widow. It was a lot better than being alone. So I want you to know, the first thing I want you to know tonight is sometimes your problems are caused by other people. Sometimes your problems are not your fault. Sometimes your problems are because somebody else. Her husband took out the loan. Now, I'm sure he meant to repay it, but it was her husband that took out the loan, not her, right? And now the creditor is coming to take her sons. So that's not a good situation she's in. The woman is in trouble. I mean, she had to rely on other people. But here we have a woman. We don't even know her name, but we have a story about her in the Bible, now, what's important about this story? Whenever you see stories in the Old Testament, you always got to stop and say, what does God want to speak to me about from this story? What is the important thing? What is the, the thing I need to learn? Well, first of all, you need to know that she didn't get bitter at the world and start going on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and say, oh, my goodness, you wouldn't believe the problems I had today. Oh, man. My husband died, and now I don't have any money, and they're going to take my sons, and just blah, 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 all over social media. She didn't do that. Well, first of all, they didn't have computers. <laughs> they didn't have TV. But we also know that she went to who? She went to Elisha. The Bible doesn't tell us what else she did, but we don't know. She didn't go around talking to all her friends about her problems. She went to somebody who could help her with her problem. So when th sometimes things happen that aren't our fault, 
But the first thing we need to think about is, who needs to know about this? Do I need to tell every single person my problem? Or is there a very, very, very small group of people like my parents or my very, very closest friends that maybe need to know? Because too many times we blab everything and we mess things up, don't we? Now, I want you to see what happens next. So first of all, she gets honest. Number two, in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2, Elisha replied to her. He said, how can I help you? Well, of course, we know how he could help her. He could give her some money, right? He could give her some money. But he says, how can I help you? What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, so he said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and don't just ask for a few. Now, there's a lot packed in here. Okay, now I, I, uh, I need two guys. Come on up, come on, two guys. Okay, I need a wo- widow woman. All right, so widow woman, come on. So you tell your sons, sons, your dad is dead. Sons, your dad is dead. Okay, very nice. Okay, that's not nice, but. <laughs> now, tell them to go get some pots. Go get some pots. And then go get some vessels. Go get some vessels. All right. All right. Now, so now you guys need to go and get some pots and some vessels. And they're, they're in here, okay? So you're going to have to ask people. So you're going to have to go and ask people, can I have a, who has a pot? Can you give me a pot or a vessel or what do you have? Can, I need a pot. Yeah. Whatever you can get, man. There's more. There's more. All right, bring them up here, and let's line them up here. Hurry, your mom needs them. (laughs) All right, tell them to put them right here. Line them up right here. Okay, there's more. There's a few more. There might be a few right over there. There's one. I think there's one over there. There's one there. There's a pot. Anybody else got a pot? I'll ask for them. The sons are a little timid. Any other pots? Any other vessels? There we go. All right. I think that's about it. (laughs) Okay, line them up. Line them up. Line them up. All right, perfect. Perfect. Now. Now, let's keep going with the story. Let's look at this. Check this out. It says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Another version says pots. So that's why I brought pots. And I, bought, I brought some uh, of these cool things we got at Medieval Times. All right. They probably didn't have this back in Bible time either. So they said, don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind your son. So shut the door. All right, so you shut the door. Good job. Oh, right. And then pour oil into all the jars, okay? And as each is filled, put it to one side. So let's start filling some jars. So pour some oil. All right, we got that one filled. Good job. Pour some oil. So keep pouring, keep pouring. And so she left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought all the jars to her, and she kept pouring. All right, can you give these wonderful people a round of applause? Thank you so much. 
Excellent job. You can have a seat. Thank you. Okay, let me turn this off before it blinks the whole time. So we got, we got pots. And so they brought these pots and these jars, and she started pouring, and there's a lot of stuff packed in here. Now look at this. Obedience to God's plan requires faith. Now let me say that again to this side, all right? Obedience to God's plan requires faith. Faith. Obedience to God's plan. I want to make sure I get everybody's eyes. Obedience to God's plan requires faith. All right. So we have to have faith if we're going to walk in God's plan. Now, some of you say, well, why couldn't God just give her some money? Right. Wouldn't you, haven't you ever thought about that? Like, why couldn't God just give her some money? There's a lot of ways God could have done that. But guess what? You're not God and I'm not God. God's going to do his plan, his way, but we have to decide whether we want to be obedient to his plan because it's going to require faith. Because isn't that kind of crazy? Like if God told you, go borrow pots from your neighbor and I'm going to provide money for you through that, would, how many of you think that's kind of crazy? Like if, how many of you would go around and start knocking on your neighbor's doors and asking for pots? Okay, not too many people. A couple of you would. But most of us would be like, what, God? Did you tell me to go get pots and, and jars from my neighbor? Like, no, I'm too embarrassed. I'm not going to do that. That's just crazy. But this woman was obedient because she trusted the word of Elisha, okay? And so some people think that the oil that she had was just anointing oil, which meant she didn't even have any food in the house. Like, she didn't even have... Like one version says olive oil, another version says oil, one version says a flask of oil. So whatever kind of oil it was, whether it was oil for anointing your head or whether it was oil for cooking, how many of you just like to drink straight oil? Yeah. Woo! Oh, wow. Like every guy, like half the guys in the room, but like not one girl raised their hand. So I'm, oh, awesome. Okay, so we got one oil drinker. Just straight up olive oil, chugging it, extra virgin olive oil right from the, the flask. So here we, have, here we have, you know, oil. And oil is just an additive. That's just something you make stuff with. You don't like just eat oil. So all she had was oil. But he told her now to go and do this. Now, I want you guys to know I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to where my first, so I was a youth pastor a long time ago, but my first year as a youth pastor, we, uh, we didn't have Facebook. <laughs> Our church had dial-up internet, <laughs> all right? So, like, it was, that was the dark ages, yes. Nobody had, like, social, like, social media, you, if you had a MySpace page, you were doing pretty, you were pretty cool. <laughs> so, like, that was... In the year 2000, that was the cool thing, was like MySpace. And you guys don't even know what that is. But things change. Things change. Now, in our pockets, we have satellite, GPS, cell phone, camera, computer. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at an iPad that has all my notes from Microsoft Word. It's just crazy how fast that has changed. But what hasn't changed is the principles from this story. Like just because things change in our world, 
the principles of God stay the same. Like his principles are still the same today. Like he still wants us to obey him. He still wants us to walk by faith. He still wants us to believe what he says. When he says to pour the oil, he still wants us to do things like that. And we're going to look at that. I want you to know, because of our social media that we have today, at the minute something happens, people want to jump on and tell everybody what happens. But can you imagine, if she had social media, what would she have said? Oh my goodness, the prophet just told me to get like all these pots like from my neighbors, and so I got to like totally fill the pots with oil. I mean, that's what it would look like on social media today, right? Like, can you believe this, guys? What should I do? And that's, that's, what we're, that's where we're at in our, in our society today is that we want to go tell everything to everybody. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6. This is what Jesus said. This is the words of Jesus. In verse 3, he says, When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. There's something about shutting the door, okay? So we, we see this story, and we, we hear him say, shut the door behind you. It's like, why do you say that? Because not everything that God does needs to be out in the open for everybody to see and scrutinize and talk about. There's a place where God wants us to be in a secret place. There's some things God wants to do in your guys' life, but, but some of you, you can't help yourself. Like, God wants to say something secret to you, but he, he knows if he does, you're just going to go blab it around. But God, sometimes God wants to talk to you about something, and he doesn't want everybody to know right at that moment. There's some things that God wants you to do with your life that are for the future that you don't need to tell everybody about right now. Like when I was 15 years old, I knew I was called to preach the gospel, but I didn't need to go tell all my friends. I needed to build and, and drive and put, the, put some word inside me before I went and told everybody what God had called me to do. So some of you are called to do things. You have oil that God wants to pour in your life. You have the vessel. God has the oil. But you've got to realize that there's some things that are secret. God's going to reward you, but you have to be willing to do some things in secret. Look at this. He keeps going. In verse 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. doesn't say go into your room and call your best friend, right? Oh, let's pray together. Like, you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> go into your room, pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. You see, there's a secret place that God has for us. Another thing, this is all in the same passage, in verse 18, 17 and 18, I think it is. He says this, he says, but when you fast, put oil on your head, okay? And wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you, okay? It says the same thing. Your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Three times Jesus says that. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he spoke to Elijah, when the Spirit of God spoke to Elijah and told him to do this, 
It's the same spirit that's telling Jesus to speak this. And so it's that same spirit today that's telling you that there's some things that you have to do in secret. How many of you agree with that? There's some things that don't need to be said. All right? So if you believe that, now if you believe that, I want you to put it in your heart and keep it in mind the next time you're ready to spout out everything that God's telling you. Keep some things in your heart. There's some things that are for later. There's some things that God wants you to do later on. There's a call maybe that God has on your life that's for later, that's for, not for right now, but it's going to come to pass, but it's going to be a lot harder for God to bring it to pass when everybody's scrutinizing what he told you to do before you were ready for it. Does that make sense? There's something about, uh, there's a reason why 15-year-olds probably shouldn't get married. Am I right? You might, ha you might have the, uh, the quote-unquote biological ability to be married, but you don't have the spiritual or the emotional part to be married. Doesn't mean that you haven't found the right one. I found my wife, and I knew she was the right one, but I proposed to her without a ring, and she said no. <laughs> it was good. It's all good. She said no for now. A year later, I, I, brought, I brought that ring. I put it on her finger, and she said yes. But see, I was trying to jump ahead of the plan by going forward with what I knew was going to happen, but it wasn't the right time. She was still in school. How would that have worked? It, it was long distance. Everything was not the right time. So sometimes God can tell you the right thing, but it's for a later time. And so you have to know about the secret place. All right. Now, I'm getting to my main point. All right. So don't, don't check out on me. Now, some people are good at the humble brag. All right. The humble brag. I know. You know what a humble brag is? It's like, oh, guys. I got into Yale, and I got into Harvard, and oh, I just, so many decisions. Can you pray that I'll make the right decision? <laughs> okay, that's the humble brag. That's like where you're bragging that you got into Yale and Harvard, but you're like torn between the two. What do I do? That's the humble brag, all right? So you got to be careful of that too, okay? Because this woman could have gone around and said, the man of God told me as long as I have pots, the oil's going to keep flowing, she could have gone bragging around to all of her friends about what God was doing in her life, but she shut the door. Now, let's look at what happens at the end. In Second uh, Kings chapter 4, verse 6, it says, When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Everybody say, that. Everybody say then? The oil stopped flowing. When did it stop flowing? When did it stop flowing? When the jars were gone. As long as she had jars, as long as she had pots, as long as she had something to put the oil in, it kept flowing. But the minute the jars ran out and the, the door was closed in her house, there wasn't any more going back out looking for more jars. When the oil stopped flowing was when the jars ran out. So this is a very important principle. And I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this part. God's provision was tied to her relationship with her neighbors. I'm going to say it again. God's provision 
God's provision of oil was tied to her relationship with her neighbors. Yeah, I know, God provides when we decide, but I want you to get this part. Just write it down. Just listen to my voice. God's provision was tied to her relationship with her neighbors. If she would have had more neighbors with more pots, the oil would have kept flowing. If she would have had more relationships with more people, the oil would have kept flowing. At the same time, if she would have had less relationships, she may not have had all of her debts paid. If she would have been a mean, nasty woman that nobody liked in that village, she may not have gotten as many pots as she got. The amount of pots that she got was tied to the relationship she had with her neighbors. Now, are you getting this? Because this is very important. When God provides stuff for us, he takes something and makes it into something more. Okay? God had the oil, but she had to supply the pots. God had the provision. He had the oil. He had the money, but she had to have something to put it in. She wouldn't have had anything to put it in if she had had bad relationships with her neighbors. Does that make sense? So if you want God's blessing in your life, but you're mean to all your friends, you're mean to all the people around you, you're mean to your teachers, you're mean to your parents, you're a hateful, mean person, how many pots are you going to get when it really matters? All right, thank you. Your pots are God's provision, the vessels. And the vessels are what hold the oil, but they come from people. All right? Every time God's provided in my life, he's never once rained money out of a tree. I've never woken up and found a stack of cash in a bag at my front door. So if any preacher ever tells you that God does that, I'm sorry to break it to you. Show me in the Bible. Because God's provision, and you're like, well, what about the five loaves and the, and the two fish? Well, weren't those his to begin with? Like, do you own the fish in the sea? No, God does. So there's things that he can reproduce, but he's not going to counterfeit money for you. That's not how God works. And you say, well, why doesn't he work like that? I wish he would. <laughs> no, you got to learn to work in God's economy. You got to learn to work within God's system. Amen? So I'm finishing up here now, but I want you to know this. Look, we're not just talking about having a bubbly personality. We're talking about having the type of relationship with people to where you're a giver. When you become a giver, people will want to give to you. How do I know? It's in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. In Luke 6, 38, it says this. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's what the Bible says. Not Jesse Miller. That's the Bible. So the Bible says the amount that you give determines the amount that you're going to get back, okay? Now, if you begin to operate in God's economy, you're going to start looking at how can I be a giver because givers are the ones who God blesses with his provision. 
Oh, sure, you can make lots of money by taking in the natural, but you're going to leave a lot of hurt, angry people in your path. But I'd rather be a giver. I'd rather be one who gives and pours out because God's going to bless me. It's not going to come from just my job. It's not just going to come from this or that. Now, I told you at the beginning that when I was in Bible school, I made some dumb decisions with money, and that's true. But I want you guys to know that God he still helped me dig out of those situations. And then a few years later, I got married. I bought a house. A few years later, I sold that house. We bought another house, and we bought another house. And God kept providing. He kept providing. He kept giving me provision. I now own a business. I'm debt-free. I have my college paid for by God. He did it through my parents, but it's because of God's provision in my life. That's how God works. He might use people around you. A lot of times we're looking for some supernatural money to fall out of the sky, but I'm telling you, it's because of the relationships you have with people, and you learn to be a giver with the people around you. When it counts, they'll give back to you because you're going to surround yourself with givers. You're going to surround yourself with people who uh, love to be a giver, and that's the kind of people that you need to surround yourself. How many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? It's a wonderful life. It's a great movie. It's a Christmas movie, right? You guys know Clarence. He comes on the scene. What is George Bailey? He's complaining. My life's terrible. I wish I'd never been born, right? And Clarence is like, all right, we can give you that wish. And so he gives him the wish. And so what happens? He finds out what would have happened had he not been born. And he finds out it would have been a terrible life for the town. The town would have gone to pieces without him. And then he becomes thankful. But at the very end, he, was, he owed the bank $8,000. And they were going to put him in jail. But guess what happened? How many of you know what happened? Who knows what happened at the end of that movie? What happened? Everybody, the whole town came out to, they said, if we heard George Bailey's in trouble... His, his friend that became a big tycoon sent him $25,000, which was a lot of money back then. But one thing Clarence did at the very end, he said this. He said, no man is a failure who has friends. No man is a failure who has friends. We're going to sing some worship here in just a second. But I want, you, I want to give you something, something you can take home with you. So this week, when you're at school, when you're with your friends... I want you to pick one person, one person you wouldn't normally do something nice for, just one person. Think of one person. How could you touch one person? How could you pour oil into their pot? How could you bless that person? What could you do to be a blessing to somebody? Because at, when you start thinking of how can I be a blessing to somebody else, guess what's going to happen to your life? Your friends are going to be a bigger group. You're going to be blessed. And you say, well, I'm not a big bubbly personality. I, I don't, I, I'm not real talkative. That's okay. Make quality friends. Find a few people that you can be real good friends with. I'm not talking about how many friends. I'm talking about are you being a person that's a giver that's going to get friends when you need it most? Because that's how God's economy works. He has us work with each other.
okay? And so how many of you got something out of this tonight? How many of you are going to do, put your hand up, how many of you are going to do that for one friend, one person? All right, good. At least you're honest. Even if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to think about it, all right? Say, is God talking to me? Does he want me to expand my friends? Because I'm telling you what, this is real. I'm, te- I'm telling you. I had people come up to me in different times in my life. One time somebody handed me $100, and I needed that. I mean, I needed that $100. There, there's, this is how God's economy works. He works through people, and he can work through you. You say, well, God, use me. Be his hands and feet on this earth. He'll use you, and then he'll bless you through other people. When you learn to be a blessing, he'll bless you through other people. Amen. All right, worship team.